Hi, everyone, and welcome to All Things Creative. My name is Linda Riesenberg Fissler. Thanks you for joining us again. Um, I kind of skipped Wednesday uh, to do a blog cast because it was kind of a crazy day. Um, nothing out of the ordinary, just a lot of work to get done, a lot of things to do. So uh, I'm back with you. And and then Thursday was you know a total work day. I mean, I actually um, worked on book four, uh, wrote the ending to it uh, in the free write. And now I'm at the position where I'm going to be organizing that book and actually getting it in book form and starting to think about the title and starting to think about the cover and all that good stuff. Um, but I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about this really cool art show um, that's coming up. If you're in the Cincinnati area or Dayton area, you may want to stop by the Middletown Arts Center Area Art Show. This is a, a show that they have been doing, I know, for at least 20 years because that's over 20 years ago I started studying there and um, now I'm teaching there, which is really kind of a nice pro progression. And um, they used to have this area art show and it was Anyway, this is like this is a really big deal for the area, and it's a very hard show to get into. It's uh, open to any artist that's within 50 miles of Middletown. So they were pulling in a number of um, artists' work. Uh, it's like I said, extremely hard to get into. I remember the first five, six, seven years that I entered this, I, I never made it into the show. Um, I thankfully have been making it into the show um, for every year since then, uh, and and someplace, and sometimes uh, winning an award in the show. Uh, but I, I had heard, and I hope this number's right, but I had heard that there were like 170 entries into this show which doesn't sound like a lot when you start thinking about the online um, you know, shows that have hundreds and hundreds of entries in them. Uh, but this particular show, like I said, is just 50 miles radius of Middletown. And we have a lot of great artists in Cincinnati and Dayton and uh, Middletown. I mean, it's just, you know, it, there are just a lot of wonderful artists in this area. And, um, you know, it, it's probably not, quite as prestigious as viewpoint from the Cincinnati art club from that perspective. Cause I know that they, you know, that show is also very, very hard to get into. Um, but I submitted three paintings and uh, two of them got in. Uh, one of them was rejected, uh, but the two that got in, this is one of them. This is my uh, Glen Helen Creek painting. And um, this was from, a really wonderful photograph that my husband took when we were hiking through Glen Helen, which is a little forest uh, up by Antioch College in Yellow Springs. And uh, we always loved hiking through there and still will hike through there uh, um, anytime we feel like going hiking. Let's go up to Glen Helen. So uh, I did this painting based on his photograph and um, really enjoyed doing this one. It was a lot of fun. And uh, my class, I did it in class, so there were a lot of questions from the students. Um, it wasn't really a demo. I mean, I was just worked on it in between working with them on on that. 
So this one made it in, and then another one, the other one made it in, which by the name of Respite, which you may have seen, that's actually um, highlighted in my ebook over on Amazon, uh, which is a um, little ebook that talks about painting from brush to palette knife, learning to paint with these really gorgeous, thick paint, impressionist style. Uh, it takes you through a process that I use and that I teach, uh, where we go from, you know, drawing to um, value study to uh, painting the foundation colors and shapes to uh, finishing off and, and highlighting and, and all this great stuff and learning to use a palette knife versus, um, you know, just a brush or, you know, basically any tool that you can think of. But this particular book, From Brush to Palette Knife, um, is out on Amazon and it's on special right now, actually. Um, by the time you hear this, uh, it may be on the last little bit of its Kindle countdown. So, uh, if you go, if you type in from brush to palette knife and my name, uh, Linda Riesenberg Fissler, uh, you'll be able to find the book and you'll be able to get it. It's $3.99 typically, uh, that's what it sells for. Uh, but inside that book is this particular process that I use. And then it also uh, grabs a lot of the blogs that I had written when I was uh, Kevin's partner, Kevin McPherson's partner. Um, and we formed Artist Mentors Online, and I wrote all the blogs basically for that. So it, it also captures all of those blogs, which are no longer available, that talked about art. And uh, it, it also, um, I used to study particular master artists, and Kevin would, um, when I told Kevin I was doing this, he asked me to write up some things about what I was studying and, and my observations. So uh, I do that for like Claude Monet and um, Fetchen and a number of other uh, master artists. And that's included in the book as well. Well, along with coming back to this, you know, I, I talk in circles. <laughs> so I'm coming back to the whole reason why I started talking about from brush to palette knife. Um, it, there is highlighted in this book, the painting respite that I did. And um, it's, you know, I, this is one that has been sitting in my studio for a while, but haven't really shared. That paint, particular painting um, that is in the Middletown Art Center Area Art Show uh, started out um, not as a horizontal painting, but more vertical painting. So the lengthwise was the in vertical. Wait, I'm sorry. Horizontal was in horizontal. So um, and I had all of these mountains and these clouds and these real two little small boats. Now, when I say that, this is a painting that is three feet by five feet. I'm thinking um, it was a custom made frame. So I know it wasn't a custom made canvas per se. I, I, I stretched this canvas myself. So it was at least three by five three feet by five feet. And here I am, but what I wanted everybody to focus on were these two little sailboats, not that little, 60 foot yachts, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, these uh, nice sized sailboats in Lake Wakatikpu down in New Zealand. And um, the first painting that I did, these boats were probably two inches by one inch. I mean, you know, just very small, look very dot, a little dot. The more I worked on it, the more I really started to dislike it. And 
uh, I said, well, you know, this isn't how, this isn't turning out how I wanted to turn out. So I went back, I looked at reference, I sat there and meditated on when I saw these boats and what I was feeling and, and what was it that I liked. It was kind of a cloudy day. Um, and these particular boats to me look sad because they weren't in, you know, their glory sailing around in all this wind. And um, so I just kind of, you know, thought about that for a while and put the painting aside, worked on some other things. And I came back to this painting and I turned it the opposite way. And I just said, you know what, we're just going to have fun with this. We're just going to throw some paint around. So I covered that in the book and I talk about how sometimes we hold on to that original idea of what we want to do it doesn't really get conveyed properly when we're painting it but with, but we somehow feel like that painting is so precious that we don't want to touch it or that we don't want to do anything to it sometimes we just throw it aside and say well okay that idea didn't work and we move on but i decided i was going to really hold on to this one because i really wanted to capture those boats and i really wanted to just capture you know a a a feeling of the boat's got a day off. The boats aren't out there sailing or, you know, I just, so that's where the term respite came from. This is where the respite, they weren't going to go out in the storm. And um, I just basically took a grayscale palette and um, started painting what I wanted it to be and uh, held myself to like four values and uh, started painting this painting and I really started to love it and it wasn't love as in it was so precious I was afraid to touch it or change anything it was I just really loved the feeling of throwing on these paints using my palette knives carving out what I wanted this painting to be so the fact that it made it into this you know, rather hard to get into show um, in my little local area here um, really means a lot to me um, so again if you head out and you get the From Brush to Palette Knife painting book out over on Amazon, uh, you'll see that journey. I talk about that journey a little bit in there and um, how I changed things. And I think there was some basis on why I changed it and, and everything out there. So um, that's that's one, one little thing I wanted to highlight. So I'm very excited. Tomorrow's the opening. And um, you know, we'll get to see you know, who wins, you know, be nice if, if I got a little ribbon or something, but, um, you know, the fact that I made it in, I mean, 170 paintings from, you know, artists in this area, very top-notch uh, artists from this area, and uh, it's, you know, I, I ended up with two in. I mean, I know people who put, who I've talked to and I have put in a number of paintings and, and none of them made it in, so, I'm very, very honored that that I'm in the show again. Um, my streak is continuing of being in the show every year. So so that's really cool and um, really happy about that. And wanted to share that with my artist friends. Um, as you know, I don't compete that often. And the reason why I don't compete that often is I just don't like that pressure. I don't like that feeling. I don't like the judgments. I mean, everything's so subjective. I mean, if I, you know, there could have been three, two or three different judges in judging this show, and maybe you know the one that got rejected would have made it in, and one of the other ones would not have. So you know that subjectivity where I end up finding myself going into this whole conversation in my head of, 
oh, I'm not good enough or, you know, what do I need to do to make my painting better? And, and I just skip that cycle. I'm tired of judgments. It's one of the reasons why I, I don't compete that often. But this particular one helps out the, the art center that I teach at with my you know, entry fees and, and different things like that. And you know, so that's that's you know one of the reasons why I compete locally uh, and why I do this show. It's just you know a really, really nice thing to do. So I'm going to skip out of this painting now and talk a little bit about, let's see if I can get it to go to the next one. Okay, come on. There we go. So next week, um, well, October 30th, as you can see on this, um, I've been invited by the Midpoint Library, again, locally. Um, it's the Midpoint Library uh, in Middletown, downtown Middletown, uh, to talk about the fundamentals of self-publishing on October 30th at 6.30. Um, they asked me a few months ago to come down and, and kick off uh, Nano Write More, um, Nano Write Month. So, um, where you National Novel Writing Month, I think is is what Nano stands for. Um, so you'll be seeing throughout the month of November the hashtag um, hashtag N A N O W R I M O. So that's what this is about. So I'm kicking off. Um, to the Middletown Community National Novel Writing Month uh, with a little talk about the fundamentals of self-publishing. So um, if you are in the area and want to catch that, please stop by at 6.30. Um, I'm gonna have a little handout and little thing just to talk about, we're gonna talk about. Um, and we're gonna start with you know, the writing process itself, um, you know, outline freelance or free rights into the formation of a novel. And then we'll talk about what um, different offerings are out there, different kind of formats that you can format your book in, where you can find them. Um, and we'll talk about uh, a little bit about uh, the self-publishing process, you know, how you can load it up to CreateSpace and it goes into Kindle and Amazon. And then you have the option of a bigger distribution of putting it out through Bonds and Noble and you know, Lulu and, you know, all those other uh, options that are out there. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, then we'll talk, uh, I'll touch real quick on, you know, other different tools that uh, that are also, you know, important to use, like Grammarly and, um, you know, beta readers and, and different things like that. No, you know, there's a lot of discussion about beta reader versus editors. Um, some people do both. Some people just use beta write readers. Other people just use editors. Um, I don't really use beta readers. Um, and I, and I'm not, I don't have anything against beta readers or, or people who use beta readers. Um, but my, my whole thing is, you know, I like that element of surprise. I guess one of the things is, you know, most of my, the people that I would be, that would probably volunteer to be beta readers are, are very, very good friends. Um, so I just kind of skip that step and I pay for a, a wonderful editor, as you know, I have talked about that before. So my um, edit, my book goes and gets edited by uh, uh, Sonia Sweeney out in LA and um, that comes back and then I go right into, you know, putting the full book together uh, the tools I use to create my um, my covers, uh, you know, photographs, etc. I'll, I'll go through all of that during this talk, and um, and then I, I just basically go out and publish. Where some people will use a round of beta write readers who will 
read the read the book, uh, provide in you know uh, comments. You know, I was confused here. I wasn't sure where you were going. This sounded good. So, um, you know, we'll get into we'll into talking about that a little bit. Uh, just trying to think of some other things. Um, basically, I'll be touching on the experiences that I've had so far. So, I know that there's a number of people that are living in the area. Um, in Middletown that are excited and are planning on coming to uh, hear me talk about this. Um, interesting thing is, is I, I also have been invited by West Central Wine. They do an open mic night and they've invited me down to, to read a couple passages from the books uh, at different times. So I, I may end up doing that this winter. It'll give Tom and I an excuse to, to go down and have a glass of wine with our friends and, uh, and visit and, and enjoy everyone. So that might be another forum that I might be looking into to see uh, what, what that looks like, um, you know, how much fun that'll be. Um, I, I don't have a problem certainly talking about uh, things. I wouldn't be doing blogcasts and stuff like that. So I'm not, you know, scared or afraid to, to do that, to talk in front of people. I just would need to really, really practice my reading, <laughs> I guess. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm kind of, I kind of laugh at the idea of me doing that, but um, it might be fun. So I might, I might end up doing that uh, as well. Um, I don't think there's much more to say. Oh, 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 yeah, I put this in here. These are this is the blind series and um, talk about blind influence, blind persuasion, and blind alliance. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, that I was talking about um, you know, book four, and uh, I finished and wrote today this afternoon. Spent most of the day um, doing the last scenes, last couple scenes of what I'm considering as book four. And um, so it felt kind of nice to finish that off uh, or get to a point where I know that that's this particular, um, you know, these particular scenes are leading up to the climax and these are the climax. So now I've kind of gotten to the point where I've got to spend all of my energy and all of my time composing book four. So now I have the, I, I have uh, over 125,000 words. I think it's actually closer to 130,000 words written. Um, and since I'm writing in a freestyle, that kind of condenses down to uh, 250 pages. I have no idea how many scenes that actually, what I call scenes, um, actually that encompasses. But um, what I do at this point, just to get back into the process a little bit, is now I, I go back to the beginning of the free write and I know there are particular scenes that I want to pull out that become the plot points and also the climax of the book. And now what I'll do is I'll start to pull scenes that I have written and start to uh, organize them in the template, in the book template that I'm using. Um, and I'll still have to do a little bit of writing and I'll still have to massage it a little bit to get certain things to fit certain places. Um, so if I think about uh, my free write, I've been kind of, um, I started out writing kind of, if you will, chronologically um, in time, how things have happened, uh, but I'm not wedded to that particular time. I'm, so now I know basically all the scenes that I have written in my head, and now I'm taking around. So think of it as what you would call in a screenplay, a beat board, where now I'm taking those index cards 
if you want to think of it that way. And I'm moving them around to, to out of maybe out of possibly chronological order or this scene follows this scene, this scene follows. And now I'm going to start moving those, those index cards on the beat board around and I'm going to, to um, find out where I can put in some cliffhangers, if you will, some plots, plot points, plot twists, you know, and I move this up here and what happens when I do that. So when I'm moving things around, again, I'll have to look at the scene itself and decide, does this particular paragraph now stay here because, or does it tip too much off and do I take this out? So this is what I call the organizing stage of the story. And um, there are times when I, like I'll get halfway through this organizing stage and I'll just sit there and go, oh, what I could give to just free write. Um, and, and when I do that, what I'll actually start doing is I'll start working on book five and I'll start writing scenes for book five. Um, especially if I am writing this and I make a mental note of, oh, I'm going to have to remember to come back to this in book five. You know, I may go go off and, and start doing that. Um, you know, write those particular, if I'm in a mood to write free write, um, I'll, I'll write, go and, and do that. Um, but as I said, as I'm also organizing things, I'll also be kind of rewriting some things as well. So, um, so there will be another book that will be added onto here. The other question that I I'm working with now as I'm going back and, and organizing this is what do I want to call it? Do I want to stick with the word blind in the front or do I just want to start with a new, since this is a whole new, different trilogy, do I want to start with a new uh, naming format, if you will, uh, and just put book four of the blind series on on the book? Um, and I, and that's the way I'm leaning. Um, and mainly because I was sitting here thinking about all the scenes that are in there and the fact that Jenkins is now president uh, in the series and, you know, Nicole and Sean are in Russia and there's a, a lot of things going on in 1980, uh, the Cold War, for example, um, and and then the, this whole uh, spy thing that book four, five and six are, are centered around. Um, and then so it's kind of, you know, it, it's changed a little bit. It, they're kind of coming out of what I consider as their blindness, which was the first three books into the realization that can they, can they have some kind of influence in the world? So I'm leaning towards calling this one awakening and then book four of the blind series um, underneath it. So that's where I'm kind of leaning right now. And then I'm also starting to determine what kind of um, cover front cover do I want it to be and do I want to use the image uh, of the woman in the in the background that you see here just to the right of um, the Capitol dome you see a woman's face and that's you know that's supposed to be Nicole and that actually emerged when I did blind blind persuasion um, but I like her just kind of being in the background of, of all of this um, of all of these books so uh, does the Capitol stay or go do I include something Russian, like the KGB building, the Kremlin, um, you know, what other kind of things do I want to, to have in there? So um, I think that there'll be a lot of um, research and, and thinking around that book cover still, because that's still really kind of, um, you know, it's, it's just, 
really non-existent right now in my mind what I really want that cover to look like. And uh, that pulls in some of the artistic uh, things that I've learned uh, over the years. And I, as you could tell by my book covers, I don't adhere to a lot of what the, you know, a lot of what the other book covers look like. And um, that's a personal choice. Uh, and it may be hurting me in the market, you know, to be quite honest. But um, I'm an artist. I enjoy playing with book covers and, and playing in Photoshop to make something look real kind of gorgeous to me anyway. So um, that's where we are. Um, it's kind of odds and end things today. So we talked a little bit about the art show. We talked a little bit about book four. We talked a little bit about my upcoming talk, uh, self-publishing discussion um, at the library. And um, I think for Friday, that kind of uh, winds us up to um, into the weekend, which uh, is going to be kind of a, a busy one, uh, which I'm kind of glad to say. Um, things are actually kind of getting back to normal, which is a good thing. And uh, with that, I will wish you all a wonderful weekend and hope that we get together on Monday to have a, a little, uh, another little talk. So uh, ciao, everyone. Have a good one. Bye.